0: Good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Malachi, chapter three. Malachi chapter three. Sixth part of a seven part series. We've been just studying the book and seeing what the Lord would say to us through it. On your outline or in your in your bulletin, your worship God, I gave you a piece of paper, it just says Malachi at the top. Would you take that out? And I encourage you to write down a few notes. Uh, write down some scriptures. You can study it later. If you use your phone, that's great too. However, you do it, just take a few notes. At the top of it, we well, just put January 4th through the 24th, 4th, 4th through the 24th, all church fast. Every year we start the year with a fast, and I just want you to start getting ready, getting prepared. If you're not real familiar with a fast, we'll have some resources online. We'll also, we have some materials out at the foyer you can look at. If that's not enough, I encourage you to go to a Bible bookstore. But just start studying up on fast and the benefits, why we do it, And uh, the 4th through the 24th, we're going to do it collectively, corporately. We'll have service every Wednesday night. It's just always a great time. We just set aside the the first part of the year for prayer and fasting. And so uh, 4th through the 24th. This morning, we're in the book of Malachi chapter 3. Did I already say that? Verse 6. And let's just jump in, and then I'll I'll explain. I'll catch you up. If you've not been here, all of our messages are online. You can go back and, and listen to the previous ones. But here's what Malachi starts today's lesson out with. I am the Lord, and I leader, uh, I'm first, I'm the Lord, and I do not change. I do not change. Immute, it's called the immutability of God. He cannot change. There's several things about God that are unique to him, only to him. One of the things is he, he doesn't think like we think. It's called the omniscience of God. God has never said, it just occurred to me. God's never said that. Because it never just occurs to him. He knows the start as well as the beginning. He knows everything. He's omniscient. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. He, he's not only omniscient, but according to the Word of God, he's preeminent. It means he cannot be second place. He's got to be first. He's, he's the preeminence of Christ. You can't put God just on, a, a, on your list and put him somewhere. He's either Lord of all or he's not at all. He will not take the back seat to anything are anyone. It's just his nature, it's his character, it's who he is. It's what he's about. He's preeminent. He cannot be second. And the third thing is, there's many things. I just wanted to give you three today. He's immutable. He cannot change. He, he doesn't change his mind. His standard doesn't change. The way that he deals with people doesn't change. Because if he could change, it would imply that he can get better. God cannot get better. He's the best. There's nothing else that can change it. And some of the things that don't change are like that he's gracious and compassionate. From Genesis to Revelation, we see that about his nature. We see that that he's always faithful. He always keeps his word. Always keeps his word. God God is a God who's giving and merciful. He's he's always been like that, and he'll always be like that. And that's very important because I am the Lord and I do not change sets us up for the next verse. For the very next verse says... That what 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 that because I do not change is why the descendants of Jacob are not already completely destroyed. If I were to change and not be the faithful, loving, kind, and compassionate God, I already already killed you. I would have already destroyed you. I would have already wiped you out. But because good for you, good for me, that God does not change, then 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 I I, I would have got you already, but but even why the harsh words? What's the big deal? What have they done to tell God that, 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 that he would have already destroyed him? Well, this is what happened. Malachi 3.7, just kind of going along in that verse. Ever since the day of our ancestors, you have scorned my laws and failed to obey them. The word scorn means to turn away, to disdain, to despise, to detest. What, what God is saying through the prophet Malachi, you've turned up your nose at my commands. You've left my path. You've corrupted my covenant. I, I, here's I, Israel, church, I brought you into this relationship. Man, I wanted you to be mine and I'm going to be yours. And We're going to live in such a way, such a partnership, such a, such a bond that those outside the family of God are going to say, I want what they got. But you, you've not kept your, oh, you call me, Lord. You say it with your mouth, but your hearts are far from me. You, you do your own thing. You decided you're smarter than me. You want the blessing of God without keeping the commands of God. You want my presence without committing to my ways. You call me Lord and you say I'm your Lord, but you're not honoring me as Lord. And so they're wondering, and, and Malachi says, so it's no wonder. Why, why do you wonder that, that God's not responding to you like he said he would? Why, why are you even... Why are you even thinking that your marriages wouldn't be messed up? If you don't want to do it God's way, why would you even be thinking that your kids don't want anything to do with me? You've not, you've not honored my word. You've not, you've not kept me. Here's, here's, the whole, here's the hinge verse of Malachi. We've said it every week. Malachi 1.6. You don't remember anything else about this series. Remember this. A son honors his father, and a servant respects his master. If I'm your father, you ought to know this by now, father equals Affection. If I've been affectionate to you, and if I'm your master, master means authority. I'm preeminent in your life. I'm your lord. I'm your leader. Then where is the honor and where is the respect that I deserve? But, but but you're just doing you're doing your own thing. You're 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 headed down your own road. You don't you don't care about me like I care about you. Now we're back to Malachi three seven. Now return to me. And that's always the heart of God. He always wants you to return to him. Well, I've went too far. No, 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 no. That's that's why God can't change. Return to me. Well, I've done some things that that have lived outside of God's grace. Well, just return to him. I mean, that's the passionate pursuit of Jesus. That's what he's all about. It's the story of Luke 15 where he's always seeking. He's always hunting. he's He's always wanting. That's why he sent Jesus to die on a cross. That's what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is all about to convince you and to draw you and help you to understand you need Jesus if you'll just return to me I'll return to you says the Lord man I want this relationship to be right doesn't matter what you've done in the past doesn't matter your disobedience or your rebellion let's get it right today let's start today return to me and I'll return to you and so I start thinking okay God how do I return to you I'm not looking at the next verse yet but I gotta pray more is that what it is God I gotta do more gotta read my Bible more I gotta be in church more well well, maybe but this is not what Malachi says Malachi goes right into this familiar verse will a man rob God will a man steal from God will you look at it in its context again in its context hey, hey I got you, you're not I don't change and if I did I'd kill you because you've broken my covenant but because I don't change I want you to return to me and we're gonna get this thing right because my desire, Malachi 2.5, is that you experience peace and abundant life. Malachi one, i I've loved you dearly. You don't even understand. I mean, you're the apple of my eye. Anytime anybody messes with you, it's like somebody's poking me in the eye, God said. That, that's the context. But, but you're robbing me. And you ask, well, how have we robbed you? God, we haven't stole from you. What are, we talk, what are you talking about? We haven't taken. We're not a thief. You've robbed me in tithes and offerings and here's the first point i want you to write down this is what i want you to know tithing is biblical it's not something i'm made up it's not something some poor pastor made up so he could get it tithing is biblical tithing is found all throughout scripture let me give you a few verses leviticus twenty-seven thirty, and by the way genesis 14 it says that abraham tithed 500 years before the law was given And now, in Leviticus, we're under the Mosaic Law. Some of you are familiar with that. And and it says, a tithe of everything, a tenth, a portion, the first ten percent, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees. That's the way they made a living back then. So that would be a a tithe the first ten percent of anything, however you made it, belongs to the Lord. It is holy. You know what holy means? It means it's consecrated. It's set apart. It's not even yours. It's his. It's holy. It's it's, it's that first 10%. It's to be consecrated or set apart and offered as something holy to the Lord. Deuteronomy 26. Just write these scriptures down. You can look at them later. When you've entered the land the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled into it, again, I, I don't want to take scripture out of context. He's talking to the Israelites, and God is bringing them out of Egypt. They're in the, they're in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And, and you say, well, that's not me. But I say, yes, it is you. Yes, it is me. Because we, were, we weren't in Egypt. Well, we were bound by our sin. We were slavery. We were enslaved by our own ideas. And God, by his grace, rescued us out. And it's taking us, not to the promised land, but to a, a land where there'll be you no know, more crying or weeping. It's, it's a place called heaven. So though this is talking about the Israelites, it could, it could relate to us. Take some. So when you get out... Take some of the first fruits. Don't wait till don't wait till you know you got everything else taken care of. And I think that's one of the reasons some of us struggle so much with tidings, because it's the last thing we do. And God says it's got to be first, preeminence of Christ. Remember that? He's got to be first. He got to give it to him first. The first has the power to bless the rest. But what we do is we wait till every other bill is paid, and then we find out we don't have any, and so we say, God, we're not able. And I'm saying that that's the wrong order. Then that, that God is not preeminent in your life. What you're saying is I fear Wachovia Bank. I fear uh, whatever, the place where I have my car, Verizon Wireless. I fear that more than I fear Almighty God. But God says, when I bring you out, and He's brought us out of darkness into His marvelous light, if you're a believer today. When I bring you out, then, then I want you to bring your tithe. It's holy, it's consecrated, it's set apart. All that you produce from the land, the Lord your God has given you, put them in a basket, then go to the place your Lord God will choose as a dwelling for his name. One, a couple more verses. Deuteronomy 26. Then say to the Lord your God, I have removed from my house the sacred portion. What's the sacred portion? It's the tithe. And have given it to the Levite. The Levite was the leader of, of that church back in that day. And to the alien, to the strength, to the less fortunate, to the fatherless, orphan, and to the widow according to all you commanded man I've done it I, he, here God I just want to remind you I know you didn't know this but I've, I've removed my tithe I've set it apart I haven't used it for my vacation I haven't used it to fund the kids education I haven't used it to pay, put down a, some principal on my house I haven't used it to buy a new car no I've taken it out I've, used, I, I've, I've set it aside and I've not turned aside from your commands nor have I forgotten any of them he, here's what he's saying I did what was right according to your word God And then with integrity and with full assurance that God's going to hear him because he's done it God's way. He says, I've not eaten any of the sacred portion. I've not done any of that. I've obeyed the Lord my God. I've done everything you've commanded me. And so God, will you look down from your holy dwelling place? I think some of us are asking for the favor. We're asking for God to to help us in our finances, but we're not willing to do it his way. And with with integrity... And with real character, how can we say, God, I know I've not honored you. I know I've not set it apart. I know I've, not, I, I've used my tithe for me, but I still, I want you to help me. And, and that's not what this guy says. He goes, I've done it, and now, God, will you bless me? And now, will you bless the people of Israel and the land you've given us? And will you, you take us into that land flowing with milk and honey? Here's another verse. 2 Chronicles 31. To give you just backstory. Hezekiah becomes king. And, he, and Hezekiah is a godly king, and he realizes that his people have not been honoring the word of God. And so as king, he, he ordered them. I, I can't order you today. I wish I could because I know what it does for you. I wish I could say, you have to tithe. I can't do that. I'm going to exhort you and encourage you. But he ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give the, the portion, not up the portion. What's the portion? It's your tithe due to the priests and the Levites so they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave what they gave. The first fruits of their grain, new wine, oil, honey, and all the fields that, that produce it. They brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. The men of Israel and Judah who lived in the towns of Judah also brought a tithe of their herds, a tithe of the holy things. They dedicated it to the Lord their God, and they piled them in heaps. And so for the net, they're trying to catch up. They haven't done what's right hezekiah the king orders them we want to obey the word of god we want to honor god's commands and so hey bring your tithe there's just heaps of stuff everywhere and and they began doing this in the third month and finished in the seventh so for seven months they were catching up and when hezekiah and his officials came and saw the heaps they praised the lord and blessed the people of israel man you guys have done a great job great thing this is awesome thank god for your generosity this is amazing Hezekiah in verse 9 gets worried. God, they brought all this stuff. Do they have anything left for them? Are their kids getting fed and their kids getting clothed? Man, they've, they've so been so generous. What, what's going on with them? And so he asked his chief priest, and he says, Azariah, what, are they okay? And he answered, since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare because the Lord has blessed his people and this great amount is left over. He- Hezekiah is told by the priest, man, they're, yeah, they're giving, but God just keeps them multiplying. He just keeps providing. He just keeps doing it. I don't understand it, Hezekiah, but that's what the Word of God says, and it's happening just like he said. So so, so, so what to now? Well, we can go, you say, well, that's all Old Testament. I'm all, that's under the law. And you're, we're not under the law. We're under, the, we're under grace. But I do want you to know Malachi, it missed the New Testament by 14 chapters. 14 verses I'm sorry 14 verses it would have been in the new testament so if it if God if he would have just slid that thing over just a little bit we wouldn't even be having this discussion today but he didn't so we got to go to the new testament because we're not we're not under the law we're we're under we're under grace so so the question is is what is is wrong under the law is it now right under grace it, Doug went out last night, got drunk, and wrapped his car around a tree and almost died. You believe that? No, because it's a lie. And a lie, it's wrong under the law, and it doesn't make it right under grace. Thou shalt not lie. I mean, you, if I go and steal somebody's phone right now and had it in my possession, and you can't, you can't do that. No, I'm under grace. No, no, no. You, stealing is under the law. What's wrong under the law is not right under, the gra- under grace. And what is right under the law is not now wrong under grace. And so so G, uh, Malachi, Moses, the Old Testament prophets, the law says you have to tithe. And here, here where were you even getting that? So you go to Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus is now talking. And he says, hey, if your, if your righteousness is not surpassed that of the Pharisees, you have no part with me. And he begins to explain what that means. And he says, you know what the law says? The law says thou shalt not murder. But I'm telling you, if you're angry at a brother, then you've already committed a murder in your heart. The law says don't murder. The Grace says don't be mad. The law said if you commit adultery, you're an adulterer. Grace said if you look lustfully at a woman, you've already committed it in her heart. The law said don't commit adultery. The grace said don't even look at a woman lustfully. See, what, what's what's... What's right under the law now isn't wrong under grace. According to the teachings of Christ, it even goes to a higher level. The law said you got to tithe. So, so again, and just think with me, and I, I know I'm simple minded, I'm trying to figure this out, but if it, was, if it was right under the law, is it wrong under grace? No, 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 no. It's, in fact, it, it should even be more a 10%. Now, if you're a, okay, you want to be a grace giver? then 10% is not the floor. It's not the ceiling. It's the floor. It's not the the ending point. It's the starting point. A grace giver will be much more generous, much more generous. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23. Write write it down, will you, so you can study it. What sorrows await you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? You're hypocrites. You know what a hypocrite is? You say one thing, to another. For you are careful to tithe, first 10%. Even the tiniest income from your herb garden. I mean, you do that. You are you just write that check, you bring it every week, that's not a problem. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Well, what are those? Like justice and mercy and faith. Okay, so what do I do? Jesus tells us, you should tithe. Yes, don't start doing it, don't stop doing that. But do not neglect the more important things. Here's what Paul told the church at Corinthians. On the first day of the week, of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. What does that mean, keeping with his income? It's called proportionate giving. It's called tithing. And so here, here's what I want you to know. Tithing is biblical. And if you're not tithing, you're robbing God. Look at me, will you? If you're not tithing and claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you are compromising spiritually And you're living in disobedience. It does not get any plainer or any easier than that. And that's not me. It's the word of God. So what do I do? Okay, I don't want to be in disobedience. I don't want to dishonor the Lord. I want him to be preeminent in my life. I just don't want to tell him he's Lord. I want to communicate through my actions and my lifestyle that he's Lord. So what do I do? Well, we go back to Malachi 3.10. So bring The whole tithe, not a portion of it, not a part of it. Well, I give some here and some over there and some over there. No, bring it to the storehouse. Most scholars believe this means the local church, the local fellowship where you receive ministry, so there will be enough food in my temple. And this is the second point I want you to know. The first one is tithing is biblical. Here's the the second one. You're not giving to the church. You're giving through the church. And I, I, I don't know, if you think all the church wants is your money, you went to the wrong church. You listened to the wrong We It's not that you're given to the church, you're given through the church. In 2016, year-to-date, Clover Hill, and let me tell you why this is significant, because our first year in existence, the church received, we took in, our whole first year, $36,000 as a church. My first year at ministry at Clover Hill, People gave $3,600. This year in 2015, we gave away $612,748. We gave away $612. You say, well, where did it go? (laughs) What happened to it? It went to U.S. missions. We have about 40 U.S. missionaries. Let me tell you one of them, Pete a He's a Chi Alpha guy on the University of Virginia. He's been there probably almost as long as I've been here, 15, 16, maybe even 18 years, and, and, and he's built. It's one of the largest Chiaphas on the East Coast. 600 kids will come every week to their weekly gatherings. Uh, more than 600 are involved in small groups. Many of them are making a commitment after college to go serve for a year on the mission field in the middle of a secular university that's saying, God is dead. He can't meet your need. He can't fix your problems. Turn from him, there is a light in a dark place that is declaring God is on the throne, he's worthy of our praise and there are students that are getting saved, born again baptized, filled with the spirit and called in the ministry at a secular university because of a ministry called Chi Alpha that Clover Hill is highly involved in and a missionary by the name of Pete Bulette and his whole staff that cares for those kids Mike Gottswood at Virginia Commonwealth University, same thing I mean, we got about 18 across Georgetown, American University, Longwood, where, where we have missionaries on those campuses. We's all, when we talk about U.S. missions, we, we got to talk about Teen Challenge. Some of this 612 has gone to help addicts get free it, through the word and the power and the presence of God. Christ in Action is a, is a U.S. mission that, that responds to tragedies and, and hurricanes, uh, floods. We've given 20,000 to them to, to help feed and clothe, but also to help uh, with, with uh, present the gospel. Life on the verge is is one of our guys, Mark Mason, goes up and down the East Coast sharing his story and, and building up the incarcerated church. You know, there are men and women in jail that made a terrible mistake, have repented of their sin, have received the forgiveness of God, and now life's not over for them. They want to know what they can do, how they can make a difference. And so Mason and his teams go all through the, the prison system sharing and encouraging and equipping his people for, for so that they can fulfill their purpose even if it is in prison. Make it a difference for the glory of God. We, we, I don't believe this. I mean, I do believe it personally, but it's a known fact. New converts come the, the, are more effectively reached through new churches. And so we'll give, we gave $35,000 to plant churches this year. One of them is Moses, our Hispanic pastor. We're planting a Latino ministry right here in the heart of Richmond to reach that culture with the love of God. So part of that 612 is, is U.S. missions. Another thing we do is world missions. We have 95 missionaries. Joey Gordon is in the mountains of India. He, uh, he, he, I went to Bible school with him. He, he lives up on a mountain. He treks into, into places that have had no testimony of the love of God. He builds, he builds, he's got a crossfit and a coffee shop where he invites Muslims and Hindus to come and drink coffee and work out with no other purpose but to build a relationship to break down the walls and eventually share the love of God with them. Missionaries like Rick and Elaine Caswell, who are in the Ivory Coast of Africa, she's a nurse, he's a church planter, where she goes and works with the AIDS patients and helps them and and, and helps nurses and doctors there. And he's all over planting churches and helping raise up the national church. Tom Davis, who's in Ecuador, who has a dream and a vision to pump the gospel through media into every home in Ecuador, and they're making it happen because they have churches like Glow Real that are partnering with them on a monthly, regular basis, sending teams over there to make it possible for the people of Ecuador to hear the gospel in their language and in their culture. We partnered with Project Rescue. You, you know that story, $35,000, where, where those girls are, are, are under their mom's bed. Really, it's a mat as they are they with eight men every night and the project rescue team builds a relationship with them and goes and and the mothers will allow the kids to come out and you ought to see the schools and the facilities that we're bringing them to in america would be nice in india it's amazing i mean they're getting the love of god they're getting they're getting care and education and 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 physical needs are getting met priority one is a group that we partner with Twenty five thousand dollars this year that builds Bible schools all over the world and raises up national leaders. It's training pastors in just about every nation of the world. Convoy of Hope is the, is the missions, the benevolence arm of the Assemblies of God. We've given $30,000 to help with the refugees that are coming out of Iran and Afghanistan and all that's going on in the world. Again, not to just give them a shelter over their head, but to share with them the love of God. And, and, and you know, I'm probably talking, probably even shouldn't say this, but but I don't know where your stand is with, with these refugees coming and going. And I'm not trying to say anything, but they are more open to the gospel in that place in their life than they'll ever be. Their guard is down, their heart is open, and I think as the people of God, we have a responsibility to be the hands and the feet of Jesus and reach them where they are and share with them that the God they're serving cannot help them, heal them, or touch them, but Almighty God can make a difference in their lives. I'm not exactly sure how to do it, but we have a responsibility. The church has a mandate from Almighty God to do that, and we want to. We, we also have local. Where's this 612 going? It's going to local ministry. So we're touching America. We're touching the world, and we're reaching our backyard with ministries like the uh, Crisis Pregnancy Center, prisons and schools and our foster initiatives. And, and there's, uh, let me introduce you, or some of you maybe heard, reintroduce you to Heather Goodlett. She's the youth, she's called it Youth for Life. Again, she probably came about the same time I came here. Young young lady wanted to make a difference. Here was her vision. Nurture kids, strengthen families, and rebuild the community. And so she put up, she got permission, put up a trailer in, in Highland Park, middle of projects. Since that time, churches have come alongside her. I think there's a double wide now. There's some grass playground equipment. Every afternoon after school, those kids flock to that building. They're being educated. They're being taught. They're, they're, she's strengthening kids. Clover Hill has sent many of those kids to camps over, over the past few summers. They're, now, they're, she's been there long enough where they're beginning to grow up, going to middle school, going to high school. Some of them now have even went off to college. And the power of poverty is being broken in their lives because of a young girl... had a dream and a vision and because of churches that partnered and rallied around her to say we believe in our community, we believe in our kids, we're going to reach out to the less fortunate and make a difference in their lives, $612,000. We have a transitional house. Three men are in there now and you know we can't, why don't we do more? Let's do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. Three men, all three of them have jobs, they're all moving towards Jesus, they all have a relationship with him, they're all trying to serve him in the near future, those guys will transition out, we'll get new guys in there, and we'll just keep making a difference for the glory of God as they come out of prison and, and readjust and get ready to re-enter society. Not as an ex, not just as an ex-con, not as an ex-con, but, but as somebody has been brought, bought by the blood of Jesus and changed by the power of Christ. It can make a difference. Some of you know our story with, we have foster kids, and little Maddie, she came to us about eight, 17 months ago now, and We've been, and when we first got her, man, I, I didn't want anything to do with the mom or dad. They were both in jail, and I had very, 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 very little grace. I could do better. They have forfeited their opportunity to parent. they ruined it. That was my thinking. Way well, months ago, Maddie's dad got out of jail, and he's repentant. He's broken. He's the real deal. He, loved, he loves that little girl, loves her, recognizes he made a terrible mistake. He gets drug tested every month. He's been sober for 28 months. He wants the little girl back. So listen, I thought, when I first started thinking, I thought, well, I I just want to change a girl's life. You know what I'm thinking now? Let's change a family's life. Let's come alongside that man that's wanting to change and desiring to change and want to be a dad. Why don't we help him? Why can't we provide him for a house with his kids and and just kind of walk with them for a little while until he gets his feedback and mentor him? And I'm not talking about a handout. I'm talking about a hand up. It gets him back in a place, and it just breaks that poverty curse and that direction that his family's been going in for all these years. This morning, we're going to take up a special offering for Grace Home Project. We're partnering with Grace Home Ministry to build a house for girls that are pregnant, that have made mistakes and got... Pregnant because we we don't want to just talk about what we're against. We're against abortion, but we're for girls that keep their babies and want to and want to do something with their lives. We're for that, and so we just can't be against it. We got to create some environments and spaces so what we're for really becomes a reality. And so four girls with their babies can come and live in this home and be again be nurtured and cared for and discipled and loved on and given a great chance for their future. Did, did you know this about? Pregnant girls, 3 in 10, will get pregnant at least once before they're age 20. Parenthood is the number one reason girls drop out of school. 25% of teenage girls that get pregnant will have their second child within 24 months. Less than 2% will earn a college degree. 8 out of 10 dads are not involved. More than half of all the mothers on welfare had their first child as a teenager. Two out of three families begun by a young unmarried mother live in poverty today. You're not giving to the church, you're giving through the church. The more you give, the more we'll give. Look, tithing is biblical. And I want you to get this idea I'm just giving my money. You're not giving it to the church, you're giving it through the church. Here's the last thing, Malachi 3.10. Keep your pen, your paper, stay with me, will you? If you do, if you do what? If you quit robbing God and you start bringing your whole tithe, that first 10%, says the Lord Almighty. And when he says it, man, I'd listen to it. I will open up the windows of heaven for you. And I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Why don't you just try it? And let me prove it to you. Because I can't change. You're going to see. You're going to see the benefits. I'm not for, not for one, one minute do I, do I want you to think tithing twists the arm of God and makes him do anything. He's almighty God. But I do believe it gets you in a position, gets you at a place where you can receive from God. And here, here's the third point. It's not what I want from you, it's what I want for you. I, I want you here. I want God proving his faithfulness and proving his love and, and blessing and you partnering together. Because it's not, I don't want your money. I want what, I want, I want God to have what your money represents, your heart. Because when he has his heart, the when he has your heart, your potential is unlimited. And what he can do with a heart is it's it's just you won't even believe it. Here's what I want. The Word of God, I, I've, I've shared with some of you this before, but the Word of God is like an umbrella. The Bible says that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. There's something about being under his protection and his care and his provision and his grace and, his, and his, just his favor and his mercy. That's the Word of God. When you stay under the Word of God, you're protected from the elements. He has promised to rebuke the hand of the devourer. It, that doesn't mean that nothing's going to tear down or nothing's going to break. He just says it's not going to eat you up. I'm not going to let it destroy you. I'm going to be involved in your life in such a way that my faithfulness, I, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. I'm going to meet all your, your needs according to ri- my riches and glory. When you're, under the, when you're under the umbrella of God's grace, there's blessing and favor and life and health and, and just the goodness of God. When you step out from under it, then you're left to your own vulnerabilities. That's a great word. <laughs> I wish I wouldn't have used it, but it's a great word. You're left out on your own defend for yourself. It's not what I want from you, it's what I want for you. I want you to be under the covering of, I want, I want you to know what it is to so live under the shadow of Almighty God. And that happens as you're obedient to Him. I was preparing and studying and looking and and I remember the story of Judas. You remember Judas? He was a thief. He robbed God. That, that's what he's known for. You don't want to be known as a robber. You don't. He robbed God. Sold out for 30 pieces of silver. You know, you know what he did with that 30 pieces of silver? He went and bought himself a rope and hung himself. You know what? I don't, it's not what I want from you. It's what I want for you. I don't, I don't want you spiritually to go buy a rope and miss out on all that God has for you. I don't want you, I don't want you to use what God has blessed you with, given you, and allow it to potentially destroy you. If you see tithing in the way that God sees it, it's not what he's taking from you, it's what, he's, it's what he's saving you from. Some people say the truth hurts. You know what I say? The truth saves. Here's the truth. Tithing is biblical. It's not that you're given to the church, you're given through the church. And it's not, I, I, you, you don't know my motives. I'm trying to tell them the best as possible and I hope they're right and I, I really believe this. It's not what I want from you what I want for you. Amen, everybody?